Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of DM Splaining, the bonus episodes for the Gimme Dilute podcast. This episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about the first arc, the first five episodes, which make up the first adventures of the Party of Five, how they meet, how they meet the Lumberjacks and where they go from there. I am joined by a few members of the regular cast to kind of talk through it, starting with Eldrin. Hey, it's uh, Jamie. I'm Eldrin Thaneros, and uh, you can find me elsewhere if you want to listen to the Three Angry Gamers podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't have any funny lines this week, so yeah. It's it's a bonus episode. You don't have to put in that much effort right, for it. Great. <laughs> Save the good stuff for the main feed. <laughs> Next up, we've got Fate. Hey, this is Jazz playing Fate. And then last but certainly not least, we have Baba. Yeah, Anthony playing Baba. Our recording time frame is a good five or six episodes behind our published time frame. So we, we've gone a little bit back in time to talk about some of these. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to uh, run through a quick recap of the episode, throw it to the guys for their thoughts. If they had any comments or questions, uh, I'll ask a question or two about the episode, uh, one question in particular, and then we'll kind of wrap it up with thoughts from the first arc, favorite moment, least favorite moment, and what they might have might have done differently. So the first episode we started off with was... Bernadette said knock you out. This is the episode where we get a overview of the formation of the universe and the introduction of the God Spire to the world of Arnosia. And then we cut to a Chuck E. Cheese-esque saloon and a tiefling on his way to collect a bounty. The tiefling strikes up a conversation with a dragonborn, which inadvertently leads to a bar fight. The party comes together to knock out a pair of orphan killing dwarves and at the end of the episode meets the lumberjack boss who makes an offer of work so that was episode one pretty much just to get you guys there get, get the scene set and to start playing through combat a little bit to get some of the newer players used to the combat system is there anything that you guys particularly remember from that episode or anything that, that that sticks out to you uh i definitely will never look at urinal cakes the same ever again <laughs> Uh, nor people with gross beards because the two are just burned into my brain as like a combo now is blue twisted urinal cake beard. Gross. How did you look at urinal cakes before? I don't know. Like, I mean, just like, uh, they're there, uh, now they're disgusting. They're absolutely disgusting. I'm just disappointed every time I go to use a urinal now and there's no urinal cakes there to, you know, I have to stop and think about forest. Yeah, where's Forrest? <laughs> the Gooch and Forrest are actually character names that Harlan came up with when I asked Todd for to do the setup. Like, hey, you know, the lead, the, the hook for this is you're here hunting down a bounty. Give me uh, the names of a couple of, of dwarves that you're that you're looking for. And he was like, Forrest and the Gooch. And the Gooch was actually this super weird dude I used to work with at a telemarketing company. And so when Harlan <laughs> said that, I went, oh, that's perfect. And that's kind of where the Gooch voice came from. The Gooch. That's actually what that guy sounded like. Um, uh, and I don't, we don't know why he called himself the Gooch. He was notorious for eating uh, raw chicken in the break room. Wait. Look, man, the world I mean, of telemarketing in the 90s was a wild place. No, 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 no. Time out. <laughs> you said this man is eating raw chicken. You mean like you mean like cold sliced chicken? It may have just been the raw chicken skins. I I know for a fact it was definitely the skins, but it may. But I I want to give him enough credit to say that he had actually got like a like a whole chicken raw and then sectioned it up and would bring it into work and and eat it. No. <laughs> 
I don't even know. I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah, not not even the weirdest dude that we worked with at that place, man. Like I said, the, the... Salmonella is a thing, though. Yeah. <laughs> How was he not dead? I know. So I, that, that is the probably the least uh, least uh, the least of the Gucci's worries. I'm <laughs> okay. sure he. I'm sure he's no longer with us <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but, yeah, the Gooch. The Gooch was oof, was a piece of work. Indeed, he was. You guys met no McDonald. The my probably my favorite NPC name that really didn't get a whole lot of time on the uh, on oh, the episode. I didn't even catch that. I didn't. Even I don't remember that, that either. That's amazing. I don't, I don't even know if it made it into the final audio. I, that's why I put it in the show notes for sure, because I, I was like, oh, this voice is coming out as Gnome McDonald. Okay, that's this guy's name. He sounds like Norm McDonald. That's his name now. The <laughs> bartender slash gnomish prostitute with a five-star reading on Melp. Wait, prostitute? What, when was that hint dropped? I don't remember any of that. Uh, when when uh, when Moyle uh, was oh, talking about prostitutes. Right. Damn yeah. it. That's uh, that was actually the whole lead in for the milk <laughs> joke, uh, the social meeting, social, uh, social reading media that is now uh, canon in the world of Arnestia. So, uh, but you know, my favorite moment from that is probably when you and Eldrin both so much managed to beef it and hit the deer head, yeah, with a firebolt and an arrow shot. I was like, you know, that just works, it just <laughs> <Yeah>. works. <laughs> it's pretty good. I think that starts my trend of still hitting my target. You guys just don't know it when I miss. So, I was <laughs> <laughs> shooting at the whole time. Uh, was, yeah, you don't know it. I was aiming there the whole time. He was giving me the evil eye. All right. <laughs> so the uh, the most important question uh, that we'll be asking throughout these is: How did Todd screw over the party in this episode? He oh, tried real in hard. This <laughs> In the, yes, in the first episode. If you had to pick one thing Todd did wrong, the worst in this episode, what would it be? Probably not engaging his bounty when he showed the fuck up. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that's what that's what you know because in my in my head and this is like this is like the perils of dm again you you have in your head like this is the most logical thing that would happen he's going to walk in he's going to see his target he's going to go he's maybe he'll case the place he'll go sit down but at some point he's going to talk shit to his target and he immediately just goes and starts chatting up moyle and buying drinks for moyle and i'm like well okay let's, let's see how this plays out then let's just move this clock forward <laughs> So, uh, yeah, him uh, just deciding to get a beer instead of going after his target was definitely um, was definitely a curveball. Was he was it at the end of this episode or the beginning of the next episode that he was unwilling to share the bounty? Yeah, that's where I was trying to remember. Yeah, that's no, that's the start of next episode. That's a good transition to episode two. Mo Moyle, Mo Mo problems. (laughs) These titles are amazing, by the way. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, where uh, you guys uh, stay at the Bucky's uh, Inn and uh, Motor Inn and Lodge, and the next are greeted the next morning by Banyan and his uh, his assistant uh, Piney, who offer you the job to go rescue the lumberjacks. And yeah, that's where Todd starts getting stingy with the potential bounty. Uh, and but but we did get to actually do the the kind of lore dump about how bant- bounties work in this world. Um, and that's where that kind of all got all got set yeah with an episode two um it also was the start of the hey we want a continental breakfast 
arc <laughs> that seems to have persisted throughout the episode. It's the most important meal of the day. So it is. It is. <laughs> Was there anything else that stood out? Episode episode two. You guys negotiate your contract uh, after I think fate fails uh, a stealth roll while trying to get additional information out of Piney. Um, and you guys head out. No, into that the was work. me. Oh, that was yeah. Me. I tried oh, okay, to, I tried, I tried to, I tried to whisper. Tried to get Piney's attention to whisper out to him uh, uh, because uh, Piney was throwing some vibes that something was weird, and uh, yeah, you you beef it on the uh, on the telephone, uh, not getting yeah, not getting some additional information. But that was really your first clue, or the first clue that I floated out there that the lumberjacks were shady. But you guys soldier on, you head out and encounter the first kobold camp, and so there was a uh, there was a body sitting in the clearing which was trapped with a stink bomb. You guys managed to trigger that and everybody except Todd gets sprayed by the stink bomb. And then you start to search the tents that were in the camp until Todd picks the one that had a skunk in it mm-hmm. uh, and gets sprayed by the skunk, at which point you guys head further into the woods and discover a kobold hidden in an ambush kind of overlook. You guys decide to ambush the ambusher, which results in fate falling into a pit trap uh, where he spends most of the combat, at which point you guys thoroughly womp that kobold, decide to keep heading through the woods and uh, well after dark and encounter the fire babies <laughs> which is the Eldrin majestic as shit moment I believe <laughs> that, that phrase lives in my head randomly <laughs> like I cannot like it just randomly I'll just hear Jamie just majestic as shit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it does set the standard for for how about Eldrin takes his shots now. So uh, is there not a super deep episode? I, it was so funny because I was expecting you guys to spend a lot more time rooting through those tents. Yeah, because there was there were other there was other shit in those tents. That was absolutely my first question: is what awesomeness did we leave in those tents? Um, there was. Uh, I think I had a like a a masterwork short sword worked in there. Uh, another healing potion or two. There were also bees. There were also some bees um, that were shitty uh, because we know very early on at the beginning, I knew that the kobold inventors were going to come into play. And Zvolo's Guides to Monsters is, mm. is a really good book when it kind of gets into some of the, the humanoid battle tactics and, and kobold battle tactics and stuff like that. And kind of the harrying traps. I think there was a, a, a paint bomb um, or somebody would have gotten splashed with with like pink paint or red paint or something in, in one of the tents. But uh, there, there would have been a little bit of uh, the couple of healing potions and I think a masterwork short sword sprinkled in there to, to encourage you to keep going. But Todd encountered the tent on the second one. He looked in and was like, fuck this, I'm out. And then you guys keep going. The fire babies were also intended to ambush you the first time you camped, and you guys just refused to fucking go to sleep. Well, this is going to make this even weirder because now these fire babies are just going to be wandering down the road in the middle of the night. Yeah, we definitely metagame the shit out of that. (laughs) We absolutely. the only reason we attacked the fire babies was because of how we treated the kobold. <laughs> like, like Jamie even says, fool me once. Like, <laughs> which, <laughs> just, uh, 
Well, you know, the thing is, is like baby wandering up to your camp out of the woods is a lot less suspicious than babies just toddling down a fucking forest trail in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. I get that that like, whoa, this this shit's way more suspicious. And again, that had the potential. Like if those things both would have gone off and exploded at the same time, they could have knocked you guys out pretty easily. But I think Todd, I think I think you took one out at range and then Todd took the other one out. And that was the first example of, okay, Todd is fire resistant shit. <laughs> a, a fact that will come back to haunt me a couple more times throughout this goddamn series. Um, and he spends a good time uh, complaining about that in episodes about fire resistant. I'm fire prudent. I don't know you're fire resistant. It's like I'm taking Wait, a lot of take it. He, Yeah, he gets set on fire. And uh, is it episode six? Yeah, it's episode six. He gets set on fire. Huh? Yes, because he stopped, drops, and rolls, and he was he had to use his whole turn. He was upset about that. That's Turning, right. Realize he doesn't inform me of the fact that. Tied is fire resistant right before we're about to hit level five and I get access to fireball, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be protecting him anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not fireproof. Let me again remind you. No, uh, no, I Tyler, heard you. I know what yeah. fire resistance means. I think, uh, Tyler, I think he's also on the cusp of the most annoying rogue abilities, the ones that just make him ridiculously hard to kill. He gets that Matrix dodge he's yeah. been looking for pretty soon. You um, get the, if you save on an area effect, you can get out the way. Or like yeah. you can not take damage. Yeah, that's coming that, up. That evasion at five or those at eight, seven? No, I think you're right. I think that's the higher level version. I think the one that he's going to get is he can reduce damage. Was there any other questions about episode two before we ask the all important, how did Todd screw the party over in episode two? So episode two was the one where the, the store, the first store encounter where... Oh my God, that's right. How did I almost forget that? That's the whole <laughs> reason why it's called Mo Moil Mo Problems. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys go into the duckies... <laughs> and Moyle decides to charm his way into uh, some healing, uh, some healing potions. Man, I was sent, I was sending jazz messages like, "Oh my God, no, no!" <laughs> <laughs> Haven't even gotten five feet away from the the door. Right? I, I, I don't think that I don't think that Andrew fully understood that he was going to know he was charmed when we got done. <laughs> no, or, or if or if he failed. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was like, this is going to be bad. <laughs> I, I think that gets mentioned at one point early on. But yeah, that fades away from from uh, from his attention pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just um, remember like bracing for like, oh, this is going to go really bad. And then it, it, it went it, okay. It went okay. Well, it went okay <laughs> until the consequences from it come back in an episode that I am editing right now for release. <laughs> <laughs> which is why a certain group of people show up asking to look see uh, a Mr. Moyle Mossberg. Uh, that makes more sense now. Yep, 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 mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, the, the episode that is about to come out uh, and will probably be out before this one comes out, it deals with the consequences of Moyle's Moyle's actions. But Todd was right there with him as an accomplice. Yeah, the worst it. accomplice. No sleight of hand, no nothing. I just, just. I just love Moyle's attempt to just try and walk out the front door with the potions. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take these now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's okay, well, that's funny. <laughs> um, I'll just, I'll just hold these for you. Oh, I left my, he t- I left my wallet in my car outside. Let me just walk out there and like, oh, okay, Moyle. Um, just because we're in the fantasy world, everybody's not stupid. So yeah. there, there are definitely like you see, there's rogues. You're in the duckies with a rogue, so you know there are people that are that are trained to. Uh, yeah, no, that was uh, that was that was a, a really solid character establishing moment oh, man. for for Moyle. 
<laughs> so then, then uh, the all important question: How did Todd screw over, screw the party over this episode? Oh man! In episode two, probably with the unnecessary ninja roll into the skunk <laughs> tent, because if he hadn't done that, that is we correct. Probably would have finished going through the rest of the tent. I think that's, yeah, the unnecessary ninja roll to the tent, which again, credit where credit's due, Todd commits to a bit because also during the pit fight, there's an (laughs) unnecessary ninja roll that he really kind of just barely does a little roll and kind of gets his horn stuck in the desk. It looks like a little somersault. All right. So somebody explain to me exactly what a ninja roll fucking is. I'm just uh, picturing him doing a front roll, like like you know you would when you're like five, right? Like, like tuck your fucking head down and just roll over your shoulders, like forward. Like <laughs> in my head, he's somersaulting every single yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> picturing like a like a Hunter Destiny little dodge roll type situation. Yeah, but they, that's a spin. So that's a spin move. You know what that, I mean? That's true. That is more of a spin move. So like I don't know, like any video game, like you know Link, like doing that little tuck and roll type situation where you just kind of. Tumble. Yep. That, that's all I picture him doing as a ninja roll. Uh, this guy, Jesus Christ, this is a four, five minute video and he still hasn't done the roll yet. There you go. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. It's a somersault. Yep. It's just like put, put ninja in front of it makes it a combat move. Like, dude, dude. <laughs> it does. I, it's not wrong. So, uh, all right. Mental note to make Todd describe what that looks like next time because I've been letting him get away with that ninja roll shit for that one. Yeah, I think that's probably his it, the the skunk then giving up on the tent search is I think his greatest offense in that one. Although he did, in, I think I think he was a contributing influence to Moyle's behavior. Yeah, uh, in in that episode as well. So I think we can. I think he pockets a couple of potions while Moyle is charming the guy. He, he definitely did. Yeah. So that brings us to episode three, three ten to Yuma, thirteen ten to Junk Rash, <laughs> which is named because as I was editing it, the you're gonna get a Junk Rash. Todd comes up at thirteen ten, and I'm like, well, now I have to name it that. So it got stuck in my head. At this point, uh, you guys continue into the woods, encounter a couple of uh, dire wolves uh, that were attracted to you from from the scent of the deer piss that was on you from the uh, from the bomb at the original camp. Fight off those dire dire wolves, and then continue into the woods even further. Todd climbs a tree, falls out of a tree, believes he gets poison oak, and has a phantom junk rash until he camps out and in Poison Oak and actually gets a real junk rash. Uh, you guys find the kobold clearing and find a gentleman, Bobby, chained up in the center of the kobold clearing. Manage to figure out the combination puzzle to get him out of the clearing and head bring him back to the waypoint. We did real bad on that puzzle, man. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It was like we got it and then like we 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 just convinced ourselves that the answer was wrong. <laughs> we we uh we we overshot. Like we yeah. were like, man, this is simple. It's got to be yeah. harder than this, and just kept going and kept going. And, Spoilers: and- This will not be the last time that you guys do that. <laughs> Man, sorry. I mean, Faith's a smart guy, and so he assumes that everybody else is as smart as he, including those trying to foil him. It's perfect, man. Like it is good listening, and it is good. uh, It is good gaming. So yeah, I I loved how that played out. Particularly, there wasn't a ton of other stuff really going on in that clearing. Um, Baba found a masterwork great axe and uh, managed to avoid the kind of puffball poison gas trap that was underneath it. Um, There's a big pile of. You guys never ended up really digging into that pile of bodies did you no somebody no no, somebody did that's where baba got the axe from 
No, but there was a one off to the side. There, there was a pile of loot oh, off to the side. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, that's right. I went and looked at the bodies, but I was, I yeah. was afraid to screw with it. I was just like, you uh, got close. I, got, I was like, I went up, I closed that, and I just kind of looked at it. I was like, I don't see anything. All right, I'm leaving it alone. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite moment is when you guys do finally figure out the combination. <laughs> how y'all go hide behind the fucking rock while you make Boyle do it, <laughs> like sending the new mafia guy <laughs> out to start the Don's car. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're good. You got it. You got the oil. Uh, I, th- I was real fucking worried y'all were going to keep digging around those rocks and go into the kobold tunnels because it's like, ugh. So I was convinced that that was what we were supposed to do at first. <laughs> and then you're like, no, no, no. There's a horde of kobolds that are going to come chase you now. So. I was prepared for y'all to soldier in there and didn't have to kick your ass until you left because it's, yeah. again, full of fucking kobolds. But I had a whole map for it and everything. I was, uh, oh, see, now I'm mad because I wanted to go in there and get the goddamn pentahedron. Yeah, I was, that, I was totally that, ready for that. There wasn't a scenario. Well, I, you know, I mean, it's the game, and you know, you guys could have crit your way right into that fucking. But the that was a huge kobold war, and um, and you guys would have had to have gone through multiple, 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 multiple levels of kobolds to get to where the sorcerer was with the um with the crystal. Him coming out to get you actually was the safest course of action. But I mean, that's just a thing with, you know, I mean, this is an actual play podcast and yeah, there are story beats and and kind of plot points that I, that I sketch out for every episode, but you guys do kind of drive the action. Like if you'd decided, okay, well, we're going to, you know, somehow we produce a, 50 gallons of oil and we're going to flood it with oil and set it on fire. Like, it, you know, they, you never goddamn know what PCs are going to come up with. And it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, then, um, yeah, let's, uh, oh yeah, that's the other part of this is you guys take Bobby back and, and when you get back, uh, to the original camp, you guys get attacked by those those grasping hands, which was meant to be a really fucking hard fight because there were 20 of them and they were going to split off in groups of four and swarm all over you guys. And it's like, okay, four of them, they, I mean, they're, they're, they're very, very, very fragile, but still four of them rolling to hit. I'm going to get some hits in on each on each guy. But then Baba fucking just races up to the front, helicoptering his, uh, his, his, I, I think he was using the, the, the great axe at that point. He may, may have still been the Yikla, but gets out in front. And then Todd kind of rushes up there with him. I'm like, well, shit, it doesn't make any sense for them to part around these guys. They're just going to swarm these guys, which re- resulted in the first of what will soon, you know, come up a couple other times of thunder wave whompings of an encounter. <laughs> it's like, son of a bitch, thunder wave. Here we go again. Um, and which was the second like again i was expecting the fire damage from the exploding babies to be more of a problem but todd was the one and he was resistant and then i rolled like shit i rolled like shit damage throughout this entire first arc it wasn't really until we get to the the fight in episode five that i started rolling decent rolling decent Mm -hmm. on the damage die but uh yeah i rolled there was a bunch of ones in damage and then so the fire damage i rolled from those explosions which were supposed to be significant and then plus they hit todd didn't mean anything and in this group of swarm of monsters that jazz goes oh man i I tpk'd a group with these they lasted two rounds when i fought them so Hey, I'm just I'm just letting you know that that's a thing that like I've not only have I done it to people, I've read yeah. stories of those things. Yeah. As soon as you started describing, I was like, oh fuck, goddamn crawling claws. Yeah, the uh, they were harvested from the lumberjacks and anim- animated to uh, to come out as an attacking force, and then that's why you guys you guys hoof it back to uh, the waypoint for episode four. Which, uh, so the way that Todd screwed the party over worst 
in episode three. I can't recall anything he did specifically that screwed over the party. Yeah, it was. One, but let me remind you then of the moment when, uh, after finishing a wolf off in the darkness, he decides to run back towards the group fighting the second wolf and slide oh. in and try and tear oh, it. Oh, that's right. And he manages to sweep the leg on Moyle and knock Moyle prone. <laughs> I forgot about that. Again, had I rolled better because I was in a streak of rolling like shit, that could have gone very bad for people. But you guys escape it. And I think part of that, too, is I think that's the right. right. That same round, you had just blinded that wolf. Thing. Yeah, I was going to say fate like saved our ass in that fight. With the <laughs> blind and the thunder wave it was or not thunder wave. The, uh, the blind for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, it, it was also it was I'm pretty sure badly. <laughs> Eldrin with shooting bows at stings. You did. You did. That was I missed my shot in one. of is either the baby or it was that one. Yeah, no, it was, it, was, the, it, was, it was the wolf. Yeah, it was, it a was wolf. the wolf. Yeah. yeah, like you missed your first shot and then fate stepped on. And that's the first time we we even find out that fate has a um, has a bow. a bow. I've got you a know. bow staff. Literally. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, uh, and he makes that first shot uh, that Eldrin Eldrin misses. I also love the fact that during that fight, Todd runs out of sight, kicks the wolf's <laughs> ass, and then immediately runs back and falls on his ass in front of everybody. <laughs> and it just plays into the secret, secretly badass that Todd is. Like, ah, I'll believe it when we see it, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I think, yeah, I mean, other than that, other than, you know, uh, like, uh, let me climb up to the tree and see what I can see. I'm like, Harlan, I know you've been in a forest before. <laughs> this isn't like, like a video game where you climb up to the top level of the treetops and you can see the horizon. Like, it's, it's not the way trees work uh, in, in uh, the real world or this this particular fantasy world. So, And I think uh, you had even explained it to, like, I think I suggested it, like, oh, maybe i go see some of it. And you're like, you'll see nothing up there, but you, can, you could go up there. And then he still did. And he had to like jump up. Like he had to do a fancy (laughs) jump up, which he pulled off. Yeah. But but then the jump down or whatever (laughs) is where he fucking beefs it and falls on his face. It's great. But again, you got to admire the commitment to the bit. I love it. Uh, uh, Which brings us to episode four, The Siege of Waypoint 13, uh, an episode that is, again, 90% improv because (laughs) so you guys go in and bring Bobby back to the Lumberjacks. The Lumberjacks start acting really shady. The Waypoint gets surrounded by the the kobolds. You guys get into a verbal altercation with the the Lumberjacks because it appears they're trying to skip out without paying you, which they they, in fact, are trying to skip out without paying you. Fate casts sleep on them, which causes their truck to uh, careen <laughs> off the road, causing them to burst into flames and one of them to be dragged off into the woods to be horribly killed. <laughs> the You get a communication from the uh, kobold leader that, hey, you've got you know this far until sundown, at which point I threw out an arbitrary deadline to encourage you guys to take a short rest. You guys then started doing the fucking math about exactly how much time you had to search the buildings for the red fucking herring I threw out. And if we split up and Scooby-Doo this motherfucker, I went, oh, shit. What have I done? Um, <laughs> but it still produced some some pretty cool moments because you guys uh, that uh, started the kobold sauce, uh, the kobold sauce and fate. <laughs> 
weird food thing. It's <laughs> Moyle gets gassed with Todd while searching the Durger King. You know, I'm glad you guys did that because I did have notes in there on getting some scene setting done with the Knights of Tritherion and specifically the incense. So you guys would have some kind of clue that those, uh, the paladins, the Knights of Tritherion, um, were involved with some shenanigans at the waypoints with the kobolds. And you guys had, and I believe this is the episode where you guys actually finally go into the tomb mm-hmm. and because uh, you blew it off earlier in the in the, the first two episodes and discovered that the tomb had been tunneled into, which you would think would be a, you know, something you would note for security purposes. But then you guys just, okay, well, there's nothing in here. We'll just blow that off. <laughs> Clearly, the kobolds have tunneled into here and have access to the waypoint this way. That got that got discarded and, and you guys moved on. But yeah, Moyle gets gassed. You guys activate... Uh, I think this is the episode where Todd crushes uh, Steve's spirit and, yes. and he, a first a failed intimidation attempt against his boss and then a successful intimidation attempt on his assistant. Anything particular from, from this episode that stands out to you guys? So much. So much. <laughs> from this episode. So, like, first off, is, is it cool if I peel back the curtain a little bit here? Yeah, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. That's, that's the whole point of it. The 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 uh the the loggers being shady. I didn't think they were being like I didn't get the vibe that they were being shady that episode. What? And so I didn't I didn't I just thought that they were like freaked out because there was a kobold army. So like that's why I why that's why fate with, with went with some of the actions that he went with. And I'll also say that was also fed a tiny bit by uh, Anthony slash Baba because of him not aggressing on the loggers like everybody else was. Whenever we rolled initiative because he didn't do anything, I was. Like, okay somebody else is also being reasonable like i am and so because he didn't do anything i was actually going to cast sleep on paul right then and there in that room but then baba let it go so i was like you know what he's right they're not tripping they're just you know let's let them go and go get our money i was i really actually honestly had faith in them at that moment that they were going to go get our money and bring it back to us and then everybody was like what the fuck are you doing and i was like oh um clearly i've miscalculated which is why i was like let me go and try and cut off their escape (laughs) yeah there was I thought every time they brought up Peggy, they're like, oh, yeah, let me just, uh, I'm just going to go over here. I'll just be yeah. right back. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I know your money. Hold on. I left, I left my wallet. They were, they were moiling you to like, oh, man, I left, I left my, my, your, your bounty in my other pants. Let me go over to this other part of the office and I'll get that for you. You know, in, in listening to the episode again later, I realized that I'm an idiot. But at the time, <laughs> I mean, again, first of all, Baba Baba's probably the the most balanced out of anybody in the party when it comes to just being like uh, not a complete mental case. Um, and fate is, uh, a, 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 despite a, a streak, and I mean this with all the respect of my with with despite a little bit of a streak of cowardice, uh, is also very uh, very well well like like you know again he's not an egomaniac like Todd, a misanthrope like Moy or uh, constantly put out like Eldrin. So yeah, no, I, I think I think it's I, I think you're picking up on the right cues at that point. And I was like, okay, cool. He's you know, I was actually impressed that you were de-escalating it, and I thought you were going to 
then try and come up with a different solution, not just let, then you just let him walk out the door. And I went, oh, okay, <laughs> get in the truck and let's go. Bobby. <laughs> so, yeah, this is also uh, the, because uh, originally that, their their names were the boss and the assistant's name were Bunyan and Piney, or Banyan and Piney after trees. Uh, yeah. And then uh, that, that morphed into Steve and, and uh, Bunyan, or Paul. Yeah, Paul yeah. and Steve, which Paul, Paul I mean, it's obviously Paul a Paul Bunyan. Bunyan reference, yeah. but it's also a Banyan tree reference. Uh, and then, and so I, that, that was me taking notes on NPC names and then not looking at them when the, we <laughs> cycled back around to the episode. Also, I can't fucking get the pentahedron and the tetrahedron correctly. So you for the record, for anybody listening to this, the, the crystal that they were after is a five-sided polyhedral crystal, which is a pentahedron, yes. five-sided. Yes. Tetrahedron fucking rolls off the tongue, though. And every yeah. goddamn time I say it, I default to a tetrahedron, which is a four-sided polyhedral crystal. So, yeah, that that's... And there's and as I'm listening to the episode that I'm editing now where you guys are experimenting with what happens to you after you get pulled back to the waypoint, I fucking just say tetrahedron so many times. I'm like, well, I'm just going to have to address this in the intro and move on because otherwise it would just be and so then you guys had a pentahedron which I'm tempted if it was just a couple of times I would do it because it, it would be funny like a, a bad dub job but um it not 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 so not so much that many times so i, I don't you know uh, again i i take the notes i write them down but then my brain goes someplace weird kind of in the, the heat of the moment you should uh, you should amplify your own volume every time you say tetrahedron <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> after like after like putting the disclaimer at the beginning yeah that pentahedron yeah the uh or just beep it i'll just beep, beep, beep throughout the entire uh entire one. Oh shit i forgot i almost forgot this and this is probably one of the again kind of defining moments of the first arc episode three was the secret origin of the bag of hammers how could we oh, forget yeah. the secret origin of the bag of hammers so in fifth edition there are certain weapons you can use one-handed or two-handed like a spear for example and when right. you look at that on your character sheet it'll say spear one H or one handed spear, two H or two handed. And they have a different damage value for whether you're using it one handed or two handed. Andrew took that to mean he had a one handed warhammer and a separate two handed warhammer. And then he started to argue that fact. And it was just like, God damn it, this is so infuriating. But then he busted out with the bag of hammers. And that's just as a moment, I'm like, well, fuck it. He is, I, I have to let him have this now. He wins this <laughs> argument because bag of hammers is too good to not let it be willed into existence. And thus Moyle's uh, hammer fetish, which again, talk about commitment to a bit. <laughs> like, when, I know this isn't the first arc, but when he's, when he and Todd are arguing about the trap. At that point, he has uh, hammers that he can throw that will return to him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "You just drop a hammer on there." He's like, "I could lose a hammer." It's like they magically could, like just the the the, the legitimate <laughs> indignation. Like, dude, I could lose a hammer uh, in that moment. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's 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 commitment right there. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah, the um, you guys do uh, f- get some clues about the Knights of Tritherion here. I think this is this is where you, uh, Todd and Eldrin try and open the tomb and couldn't do it and had to get Moyle to come out. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Which strength checks failed so hard. Kind of kind of established Moyle as the beefy boy uh in the group. Uh you guys looted a little bit more. The uh uh and then he gets gassed. So that kind of wraps up episode. So uh, what was the worst way that Todd screwed over the party in episode four? Not attempting to wake up Moyle. <laughs> Absolutely. Not, that is episode five. Spoiler, oh, that is oh. actually episode five. Yeah. Where episode four, I would say his failed intimidation check on Paul. At the, like, like he jumps right into intimidation mode when in the office real quick and just shits the bed on the intimidation roll. I think he got like a three. <laughs> Did he yell intimidation that not, time? I don't remember. Not yet, but I think that's what causes that. I think, yeah. intimidation. I think, I think all the intimidation <laughs> shouts are like weird compensation for this first intimidation that he failed so miserably at. <laughs> I also think it's why he goes to the well with it. So, because he talks, I grab him by the collar. Like, that's his go to intimidation move, other than intimidation slap. The uh, And he goes to grab the collar and he rolls like a three. So it's like, yeah, dude, you're just pawing at the front of this guy's shirt and you can't get like a grip on it. Uh, that is, I don't think he's ever quite give it, forgotten that quite frankly. No. So, yeah. So then, yeah, that brings us to episode five, where we start off with Moyle unconscious, having been <laughs> gassed by the sleeping gassed in the Durger King, the previous episode. And the uh, the kobolds with the force field in place, the kobolds move in to fight. Um, they come in in several waves, the first of which, which being some modified cave fissures to add kind of a... a a movement hazard to the fight and then the first wave of kobolds come in you guys engage with them the second wave of kobolds come in including the uh, kobold leader and the kobold inventors some green slime is thrown out some bees are released some damage is actually taken by the party for the first time in a, in a while eldrin gets poisoned by some pseudo dragons very early the first wave was actually mm -hmm. the flying kobolds and the pseudo dragons then the second wave of the uh, of the regular kobolds third wave of the inventors and the captain. As soon as Eldrin gets free, fate manages to get himself tangled up. The kobold sorcerer with a uh, with the pentahedron in hand <laughs> appears, and then Eldrin destroys the pentahedron. It explodes. Our our the party experiences a multiversal flash concurrent. I don't know the flash sideways effect before passing out. Wrapping up the fight, receiving a reward from Zadzum, the trucker dwarf, heading their separate ways, only to discover they're bound together as they are teleported back to the waypoint at that point. So this was this was the big fight that was planned for episode four that we didn't get to because I didn't mm. take into account y'all's ability to manage to time manage so effectively. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I really thought I was going to get knocked out that fight. I was convinced that my dude was going down uh, after I got poisoned and then ensnared by the uh, the silvery thread thingy. Uh, it was not great. Yeah, that that fight. I saved you, though. Yeah, you, you did. did. You did. If it wasn't for you, I would definitely would have been dead. Uh, but yeah, it was. That, that fight, when I went back and listened to that, as I think of ways to go, okay, you know. This elder never missing shit is getting to be a problem. <laughs> the, the oh yeah, the poison. Why am I not poisoning him more often? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you still, I still performed fairly, fairly well. I mean, again, there was just the fucking lucky rolls on some of that shit. Like again, not being aware of it, but not having full memorization of everybody's resistances at that point. You know, Moyle gets hit with the green slime grenade from the inventors, which can be really fucking bad. But of course, it lands on the one person who's resistant to acid damage. 
<laughs> of all people. You get snagged and poisoned, but are still making shots. Baba and uh, Todd take some damage. But the, uh, yeah, Moyo comes out and just wallops the shit out of a guy with a pretty beefy cure uh, or cause wounds spell. Fate Thunderwaves again. I think, I think we, we see Fate Thunderwave, uh, which I think Thunderwave fades away a little bit once you get access to Fireball. Thunderwave for the win, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, then the bag of hornets, like Eldrin gets hit by the bag of hornets and it misses. And then you roll, like you roll on a, I think a D6 or a D12 to see if they disperse. So it misses uh. and then immediately disperse. And I'm like, motherfucker, like the kobold inventors are really cool creatures and they've got some, some different cool shit that they can do. And you roll on a random table and like, and you guys got some good ones, then just got really fucking lucky <laughs> when it came to it. And then uh, the kobold sorcerer comes up and was meant to kind of be the big boss battle fight of it after he'd soften you guys up a little bit. But Eldrin went straight to, I shoot the crystal. And again, <laughs> not I shoot the crystal out of his hand. I shoot the crystal. And I went, okay, let's see what happens with this because this is this. So again, kind of behind the screen a little bit. If you hadn't done that, the you know you guys would have fought it out with the kobold. He would have been knocked down and summoned the spirit of a green dragon hatchling, uh, which would have kind of projected over him. You guys would have had a very brief green dragon hatchling fight, which again, it would have been a tough fight. But on expiring, he would have pulled more power through the pentahedron than he could have managed and it would have exploded and it embedded into you guys. Mm. But you shooting it early, I went, okay, well, I guess we're going to fast forward to that bit, which is really probably for the best because, again, you guys, like that, that could have been one where somebody could have gone down very easily, very quickly as as we kind of mm -hmm. got into, because Green Dragon even had a hatchling and even modded a little bit to be kind of the spiritual spiritual force that kind of ties back to the egg that you guys were looking for in episode four, still would have been a, a much higher kind of risk situation. See, I was more afraid of like an adult Green Dragon coming back looking for its egg. No, that was the, so the, the, you know, the, the whole kind of theme for this one was loggers manifest destinying some kobolds mm -hmm. and the party getting involved. Cause you know, they, neither party was necessarily in the right. The, the loggers were definitely shady. They came into the kobolds lands, made a deal with the kobolds and then fucked them over causing the conflict. The kobolds then through some, you know, means that I'm not going to get too detailed with, found out about the the pentahedron, got their hands on it, and that drove the sorcerer a little bit fucking batty. And that's what escalated it to where they were capturing groups of guys and chaining them up, torturing them and chopping their hands off. If the if the pentahedron doesn't come into the picture, it's more, you know, the, the lumberjacks continue to expand and the kobolds get more and more fucked over. Both of them were really, you know, neither of them really were the good guy. I mean, there could have been a, uh, a, a scenario where you guys went out and engaged the kobolds in their den and, you know, somehow through, you know, Moyle's charm spells or whatever, engage with them in a dialogue and establish it. Hey, no, the lumberjacks are really the assholes here. We're going to go back and we're going to kick the lumberjacks out. I, and, you know, it, it could have gone either either way there because, yeah, the kobolds at that point had had gone off the rails, but the lumberjacks really did move into their territory and then break their deal with them by putting that that hot spring inside the, the palisade, which was there mm -hmm. initially just to cause conflict. I'm like, okay, well, why would that cause conflict? Okay, let's tie it to a dragon, uh, a dragon-ness scenario. And then kind of the egg red herring kind of developed from there, although that does kind of tie into why the sorcerer would have been able to summon the, summon the spirit of the uh, of the red dragon hatchling and the and then the uh, the 
the notes that you guys or the information that you guys found from the knights of or the paladins of Tritherion. Green Dragon so, Hashley. Yes. Well, the, the spirit of one. Yeah, that sorcerer is up to some wicked shit when it all plays out. Obviously, I think the easiest answer here is how did Todd screw over the party the most? This episode is the not waking Moyle up with true love's kiss. A hundred percent. Absolutely. He just would not just, do it. Just <laughs> straight up selfish. I mean, who was going to know that he kissed him? What? It's a big deal if he does. I mean, again, it's just like the weird, this weird masculinity line in the sand. He would not cross. And then crits on coming out on the deception check to you guys, <laughs> too, because it's just like, yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't do it, guys. Uh, but it's like, OK, Harlan, it's time for you to learn about insight. <laughs> and, and you guys rolled decent on the insight, but then he crits on the fucking deception check. And it was like, OK, well, I'm not going to make Moyle sit out this entire fight, mainly, and not just because it would have fucked you guys over for not having a healer, because at that point, I I will fuck you guys over for not having a healer. I didn't really want to screw one of the cast members over by making him just listen to the fifth episode of the podcast instead of being an active participant. Mm-hmm. So I went, okay, we'll give him an opportunity to wake up each round tied to the noise of noise of the battle. And, and, you know, but then he rolled kind of shitty for the first two times. So it took a, a good three, four rounds before he was back in it. Then yeah. when he did come out, he did womp the shit out of, womp the shit out of a dude. And I don't, I don't know that you... That almost won him MVP, didn't it? Almost. I, I was about to say, I don't know that you guys have... Have you guys ever given Moyle MVP? I know Fate's got it a couple of times. I know Eldrin has at least gotten a couple of plays of the game. I don't know if Moyle has. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I don't know that... I, I know Fate's dominated the voting for early episodes because of the Thunder Waves. Mm-hmm. Thunder Wave for the win. Todd. No Todd's. No Todd votes. Yeah, Todd... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he just, he just, he's always in contention and he's certainly, I think he's gotten a play of the game, but there yeah. is a team element that Todd, I don't think grasps yet. <laughs> so it, it works so good though, but like, it's so infuriating. <laughs> I know. That's what he, uh, the, the episode I'm editing now, he, uh, when he does, he does an athletic checks that he crits on and it's just after he's been talking <laughs> shit for 20 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yes. God damn it. I don't know why it's so infuriating when you're successful but it is so. <laughs> it was for the stupidest fucking thing in the world too so yeah that kind of wraps up the the first arc where you guys meet up go on uh go on your starting adventure succeed slash fail spectacularly and then discover that you are bound together because after you get about two miles away from each other you are teleported back to the center of the waypoint so uh, you know i think it was a really good establishing arc i think you guys uh the, the dynamic for everybody get established really well some some good character like fate's weird food thing gets established bag of hammers gets established eldrin majestic as shit taking his shots gets established baba swinging a miss happens a few times uh baba struggles with some hit rolls but also kind of being the call the uh the irrational man in the room baba's the straight guy to the rest of our shenanigans he is somebody has to be somebody has to have some goddamn sense but also too, I think it plays into the fact that you know Baba is not from this continent. He's from Saba and is on a sabbatical to kind of learn about the world before him before he goes back and takes these trials to become a leader for his clan. And so he there there would be that kind of you know kind of stranger in a strange land aspect to to the dynamic. And I you know I think I think that plays really well with the way that he comes across. 
you know, he's called Todd out on his shit a couple of times with the bounty. Mm-hmm. I think, I think he calls the lumberjacks out on their shit. I, again, he's, he, he, he does a real good job for being kind of that, having a little bit of authority to him as well, which I think, which I think plays out really well. So, so then, okay, cool. The other questions I had for you guys, if you had uh, one thing to go back, go back and do differently across this first arc, what would it have been? Eldrin, you first. Hmm. Uh, if I could go back and do something differently, I probably wouldn't have acted like such a, a like like a pussy around the uh, the that first cobalt that set that trap. I was just like so convinced that like we shouldn't attack that guy, and I don't know. I I wanted to wait and see, and then by the time I could do anything, he's like he just turned into dust. <laughs> Someone killed him. Like I was like, oh well, never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's the frustrating thing about designing low-level encounters because a lot of the the lower challenge rating monsters don't have a ton of hit points um and on a couple of good rolls you guys can uh, evaporate them pretty quickly um and, and this whole guy the, the whole deal was to get somebody to fall in the pit trap um which thank you for doing that spectacularly but, it, but also too, it was a it was a ranger move to kind of fade off into the i mean that was a, that was a very yeah. rangery moment there like hey i'm gonna go kind of fade into the woods and, and hide a little bit fate same question if i could redo any one thing um man part of me wants to say reinvestigating those tents but if anything i feel like maybe actually going ahead and trying to get paul to go to sleep before he runs off with all of our money yeah, that probably would have saved Bobby's life. I mean, Paul deserved <laughs> Paul deserved to die. He was the mastermind of the lumberjack thing and screwing over the kobolds. He had some other kind of shady ties as well that uh, that really kind of never came out. Bobby was just a company man who didn't want to push back against his boss too much and got burned alive for his troubles after after being rescued for a good whole I don't know. 24 hours, not even that long. I think it was probably about 12 hours. Then still died in a car wreck slash fire arrow bombing. <laughs> he was asleep when it happened. He was, he's fine. He's fine. He went peacefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't his screams you heard echoing throughout the forest. That was, yeah, that, that, that was Paul. If, uh, if I could go back and do one thing differently, it would be get the goddamn tetrahedron pentahedron shit right across the entire uh episode uh, our arc for me and, and going forward so cool then uh, uh favorite moment for each of you from the entire arc you had to pick one moment to, to call your favorite moment what do you think it would be i'm gonna say i think i i i thought the 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 fire baby encounter was funny uh i enjoyed that a lot just because I was so sure that it was going to go poorly for us that I, I felt so wrong shooting that baby. <laughs> but I knew I had. You know, <laughs> like, the best part about that encounter was uh, Baba trying to stop you and <laughs> failing. <laughs> yeah. Baba struggled with some hit rolls this arc for sure. <laughs> That was that was what made it truly great. Like first off, you just pounce out there into the middle of the street, majestic as shit, and then you have this giant cat barbarian thing trying to tackle you and failing miserably, bouncing <laughs> off of your majestic pose, and you're like, ha ha. Yeah, the, you loose an arrow and kill a baby. One of the people that work for me that listened to the podcast sent me a message the next day. It's like, dude, you made him fight fucking babies. I'm like, look. <laughs> <laughs> they were monster babies, all right? And they are, they're Magmin, M-A-G-M-I-N, Magmin um, is the monster that those guys were based off of. 
that again can be pretty problematic if I don't roll like shit and then end up anytime I do hit end up hitting the dude that's fire fucking resistant like there were there were there were a lot of lucky roll like a lot of lucky happenstances through this first arc for you guys fate same question favorite part of the arc so I can't say like there's a particular moment but I will say the favorite thing I've done was at during the siege the actual siege of the waypoint after thunder waving the shit out of all of those enemies in front of Moyle and then Eldrin got pulled up on the uh, the what what is it the cave uh, the cave fishers cave fisher uh, filament yeah yeah that uh my my nice little NBA uh Elminster firebolt to save (laughs) that was great where I like posted up on the on the back of Moyle so like I've got him I'm like pressured up to put my weight up against him and roll it off and it hit the fade away to get to get Elgin and fall back down that was I was I was pretty proud of myself at that moment That was was definitely a good shot. I am also definitely glad that those filaments are not as flammable as a web spell, which (laughs) that that break gets edited out of the podcast, but it's like, oh, wait a minute. That's right. I'm going to see if he freed him and set him on fire at the same time. That would have been great. Because I could have followed it all up with "He's on fire" while I'm walking away. Do my Carmelo Anthony three to the head. Yeah, honestly, dude, my favorite moment is when you guys fucking called me on my bullshit with that deadline and did the math to work out the times <laughs> to really investigate those buildings. And I went, "Oh fuck, here we go." Okay. You know, because again, I, I, I'd map, I'd map that shit out, and I had, you know, again, there were a couple of things that I definitely wanted to hit on, but, but a, a big part of that was like, okay, oof, let's remember they're they're going to do the math. They are going to, um, which is the, I mean, like that's that's the fun part of D and D is no matter how well you prep and plan, it's always going to be something that you you couldn't expect um and i you know the i was listening to i think adventure academy earlier today and they're like look imagine trying to write a novel where the characters in the novel wrote their own stories as you're writing the novel and get how much of a challenge that can be to be an author and i'm like yep yep that's a the exact description of what the experience is is like trying to write a story where the characters in the story get to just you know write their own narratives but but i mean that's cool that's also what makes it i I think an interesting medium for kind of an improv for the podcast um you know uh, part of the reason why i invited you guys in particular to to do this was kind of the dynamic that was established back when we were rating destiny together i went oh this is the perfect (laughs) people to get into an adventuring group together and record because it's just the right amount of shit talk uh, that mm-hmm. and back and forth that it that it works perfectly together. And one of the things that I kind of like about like about that is that you guys are literally forced together. I mean, that first that first job is is kind of opportunistic. I mean, Todd has to do it because he he needs to do it to get his bounty. Faint has got financial considerations. Eldrin is invested in it because of it being in the area that he patrols as a ranger. Moyle needs beer money. And, and I think Baba uh, was uh, was really kind of there uh, more than anything to hold Todd accountable for his actions um, mm-hmm. as he kind of got into it uh, over the bounty thing and, and Todd trying to take credit for those kills. But, you know, the, after that, some of the stuff that plays out in future episodes and especially kind of the back and forth, especially with kind of what develops a little bit between Todd and Fade, um, is 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 really representative of these five dudes that would be that are forced to be together. It's not like you guys are an established adventuring party that have been working together for years or or even really kind of in the same industry or anything like that. You know, I mean, you guys are all very very different walks of life. A lot of dead parents in the bunch. A lot of, <laughs> 
<laughs> a, lot, a lot of little Batmans. Uh, but other than, other than I that, I started off this campaign alive. <laughs> you, but yeah, no, wait, they did. But in the transition of the rewrites you did on your backstory, you killed your dad off. Listen, think- listen, that was. It, it fit well, okay? All right, I needed to... The focus was the mother. But the point is, she remarried, all right? Remember, remember we put that... We put that no, you've got, you got a stepdad. Yeah. Moyle, Moyle's parents are still alive. And, and that's what, you know, there's there's a couple of, of sections where I've gone back and I've recorded an additional audio after the fact, um, either because audio was just kind of choppy or it was just like, yeah, this just needs a little bit of a little something extra into it. The character introductions and kind of setting the physical descriptions in, in episode one, that was edited in after the fact um, to give you guys just a little bit more of a little bit more punch on kind of the uh, when Todd scans the bar. Um, but then also what Moyle experiences when he gets hit by the shard of the uh, pentahedron um, and the different the different lifestyle flashes because he had written a backstory and it I had posted it and I hadn't seen it. And so when I kind of flashed some stuff out there, I was like, oh, Andrew done the work to put this in here. I need to make sure that this is included. And uh, Harlan had too. He just posted it in the roll 20 instead of the discord as instructed that's really mm-hmm. more on him <laughs> but i still <laughs> did go back and edit todd's flashes a little bit although i kept in the part where he experienced a life where he focused on the the food instead of the bounty, mm-hmm. the banquet services instead of the uh the bounty hunting and bernadette's banquet services um <laughs> like moyle's bits at the back half of dread zeppelin are edited in because he had to drop off that episode early um yeah. and we wanted to come in and, and give him some audio to explain why he wasn't participating in the fight and we lost a, a chunk of your audio because Zencaster can can be a son of a bitch, but but it's but it's been going great, man. I think I think we're off to a really good start. Once you guys, I mean, this last episode that we recorded, which is probably the you know the last full episode that we obviously are going to record before the first of the year, and it won't even be until probably mid January we get back to the main storyline because the next one we do is going to be the movie episode crossover. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you're too far away from it. I just want to tell you, kudos, sir, for your editing on that last episode. Oh, thank that you, man, I that. Because of my uh, edit, my audio getting lost there was uh, there was a specific point that i heard that after, i think it was like my second or third listen when i realized that there's a part in there where moyle is actually talking to me because mm-hmm. uh fate said <laughs> something to him and he's like yeah no joke and i think it was because i think fate went over to moyle or i had more fate go to moyle and tell him to make sure he kept his feather fall ready in case we fall out of this ship in the middle of the air and like you edited that perfectly to like make it sound like he was talking to somebody else and i was like you know what? That was that was really well done. So I just want to no, take this moment to tell you, sir. Kudos. That was great. No, I, I appreciate that. I, I I am definitely learning audition as we go, and it's one of those things where audition is is fairly user friendly, but. You know, with with a lot of software, the better you get at it, the quicker you can do stuff. And I know there's a ton of stuff I'm doing the the hard way um, that mm-hmm. will just kind of ease the burden of of editing a little bit as I get a little bit more trained with it. And I'll I'll end up taking some classes in it eventually once once I get the opportunity and get some time to. But um, it's definitely better been better to edit in than Audacity. Audacity is kind of a, a motherfucker. But I mean, you know, for the most part, you listen to a lot of actual play podcasts, even before COVID happened. You know, a lot of them are recorded from home or recorded in less than ideal audio environments. And, you know, I think our, I think our overall, our audio has come a long way. I think you guys have upgraded some stuff. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a good experience overall. It's just one of those things like, okay, well, I wish, you know, God, I wish, wish I had another 15 minutes to do this or do that with it because it just, the editing takes up time more than anything else. 
right. you know, and especially with the, you know, you, you want to keep as many of the gameplay elements in as you can, but you don't want to keep in the minute and a half where I flip through the player's hand or the monster manual mm-hmm. to check on the flammability right. of uh, a cave fisher's uh, filament. Uh, and just nobody, nobody wants to hear that shit. Well, you know, I, I think, I think we're going to do, I think we're get, I think we have done better. And I think we'll continue to get better with calling out dice rolls. That's the one thing I wish we could just be more consistent with. Um, that's why I've advocated maybe moving to physical dice, but look, dude, I'll be honest with you. Some of my favorite shit in the podcast are Jamie's reactions to people's fucking rolls. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I love the, oh, like the, just the, flat out <laughs> fucking shock and awe that comes out on some of those. I'm like, man, I can't, I cannot lose those. Like I just, like if we're going to do that, then there's going to have to be a way to put high stakes roll on video. So Absolutely. we can still keep that same level of hype or maybe do just do those in roll 20 because <laughs> God damn, that's so good. It, it, you know, what's crazy is like, it hypes me up whenever like whenever we have those high stake roles come through or especially like well I won't even say high stakes because a lot of the high stake roles <laughs> end up just being stupid ass shit but <laughs> they're, they're really funny whenever they, somebody's like trying to pull something off and then they completely fail yeah. like, like the fact that we hyped Harlan up enough to try and have him uh, spoiler to try oh, and yeah. have him a second acrobatics check that was that was just chef's kiss fantastic like yeah, was, he totally bit he i was like he's never gonna do the second one he, he learned yeah, his yeah, lesson no, so, he did not. Uh, in all honesty i bait harlan constantly all right and and i know I, I don't think he listens to the podcast so he'll never hear this but the <laughs> jesus christ he goes for it every time and i start to feel bad after a while but it it, it like it's nah. just like oh so you, are you gonna are you going to do a normal one or are you going to do the fancy one? And even in the fight that's not going well for you guys against those bar guests, I was like, well, maybe it's because you're not doing enough fancy shit, Todd. And you guys totally jumped, piled on. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And, you know, look, he's got he's got a, a decent bonus to acrobatics. And I'm sure when he gets expertise, he'll drop expertise <laughs> into acrobatics and intimidation. Uh, but <laughs> just when it, like, you know, that, and that's I mean, that's the fun thing about D&D, too. And especially, if, you know, it's, it's a little bit different when you're playing like at the table, like really strategic D&D. Because, you know, the, the cool thing about the game is it can be very much a, uh, you know, like Final Fantasy tactics where you've got your map, you've got your grids, you're right. measuring range. You can play this very tactical position-based game where which is which is really fun to play. It's never been my particular style of play because I kind of started in, in earlier editions. Um, and that was really, really integrated more heavily in, in third and fourth. Right. But it just it doesn't necessarily work for for podcasts either. But you know the the cool thing about it is that the failure, especially for podcast D anD D, which is a little bit different, a little bit looser with stuff. Like the the rule of cool plays a little bit more. Like hey, if what you're doing sounds really fucking cool, and we're gonna figure out a way to give you a shot at accomplishing, you're still gonna have to roll some dice. But you know you're you'll have a shot because it, if it sounds badass enough. Like when you guys started talking about using Baba's um, vigilant guardian ability to swap him and Todd so Todd could take the hit instead of him no it's not written that way but under a set of circumstances where you guys came up with a cool enough reason to fucking be able to do it I don't give a shit how it's written we're gonna let that shit play out now it could very well end horribly for you but that's the whole point of magic baby you know what I mean like that's you know a fucking wizard did it um 
So that's, uh, and, I mean, there's got to be some some kind of context, and I don't I don't completely off the off the cuff everything, but um, you know, with the point we kind of started off saying is that the failures are often just as much fun as the successes in, in, in the podcast, mm-hmm. the, in podcast D&D, not in real, not real D, but in more strategic oriented D&D, those, those failures are like, fuck, I just, I made sure that I moved 15 feet and then climbed up this one and I've got this action left over and I paid super attention to the action economy and, and, you know, know exactly that this is the combo that we're going to use to produce X amount of damage. When you fuck that up, that feels like a little bit more of a mechanical failure. You know what I mean? Like you've invested, you know, all this effort into, you know, building this, this uh, move set it didn't pay out but man when you fucking fail to jump over a goddamn go- a barrel dressed up like a goblin for the second time and wet yourself that's fucking gold i mean you know what i mean like that's that's i couldn't ask for more in that episode than when when todd fails that second fucking acrobatic roll <laughs> <laughs> that mower, like, you want me to jump it? I'll jump it, motherfucker. And then just jump back and forth a couple of times <laughs> for no reason. Uh, and then he rolls a 23 when he finally quits doing the fancy shit. So that's that's what I get worried about with Todd sometimes is he will fuck up enough that it'll make, make him go to the straight and narrow. And I just, I can't ever let that happen. <laughs> I will. That's why. Yeah, I, he has to continue believing in himself just enough to keep trying. That pretty much wraps up arc one, everybody. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on from the first arc or any question, non-super spoilery questions or expl- explanations from the uh, from the first bit? So if if the battle, did everyone get to see their their flash sideways? Did did yeah, it did happen. Everyone? So um, for for you, it kind of focused around your mentor in the Albear. Uh, for Fate, it was focused around him discovering magic, taking out the student loan, not taking out the student loan, and then what flavor of spell that he got. Moyle, it was Moyle's. I think I don't think Moyle had a, a really detailed one originally, uh, but it got more detailed. When I when I edited the episode with some audio I recorded later after uh, Andrew and I had a, a really good conversation about his backstory. So Moyle, not an orphan, but uh, was uh, lost by his like wandered off into the swamp, and, and his parents really didn't come and, and find him. And he gets adopted by this swamp witch, um, and then he drinks this. Uh, he he takes a scoop of a potion which makes him trip balls, and that's what sets him on the path to Ralishaz, um, the god of madness and ill fortune. So Moyle's kind of focused around whether or not he got lost in the swamp originally or he didn't drink that potion. Todd mm-hmm. uh, Todd was, um, you know, getting sold into child fighting pits uh, or not and then becoming a bounty hunter or, or a pastry chef. Uh, and then Baba's was around whether or not he actually went on walkabout or not or whether or not his boat ended got thrown off course because um, he was originally supposed to land in Amsoon. So the way the world is set up, the Godspire sits in the center of the Atlantic Ocean and it has an impact on the ocean currents. And so the kind of the, not a vortex, but that that circular current that it creates that kind of runs loops through the, the major continents and the major nations is a bolsters trade. And ship captains will try and kind of game that current a little bit because the closer you get to the Godspire, the faster that current goes and you can... Right. Yeah, you can you can make the the Kessel run in X number of parsecs or whatever the fuck. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, they, okay. 
<laughs> and uh, so his guy got a little too greedy and got shot way off course. And he actually landed in um, the uh, Fantasy Canada up north and it worked his way down south through Dak. Um, which is a shame because I really like some of the stuff that I've got set up for, for Cardoon, but I don't necessarily have you guys like charted out to spend a ton of time there, which really kind of sucks. <laughs> we may have to do like a, like if the Patreon really gets going, we may have to do a, a side, a side quest with some other characters who go wander off into fantasy Canada and the, uh, the iron Congress. Let's go. So when I asked the last question, I remember why I asked it. <laughs> um, it's because the, the, uh, blowing up of the tetrahedron like you were like teasing our sp- yeah. special powers uh before what were you going to do for everyone else's because i kind of ruined that oh, okay. like i was oh, curious yeah. so the hero gonna... moments yeah so the like the baba got to experiences and basically it was the advent of your of your subclass because you guys had picked out your subclasses prior to that that point and uh for you it was your uh your force manifesting your force bolt arrow the first time you would use planar mm-hmm. warrior for the first time for baba uh, baba actually got to do it and got to do uh see the ghost of his sister which is kind of a character reveal moment uh because baba as a uh, uh ancestral guardian barbarian calls on the spirits of his his dead family well none of his family should be dead but his sister's showing up his sister named tanage because i fucking phonetically <laughs> pronounced the typo and anthony just rolled with it so that's not that shit. Think about it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's just like, wait, yeah, okay. I don't wait, wait, what? When he fucking told me that shit, I was like, God damn it. Oh, Jesus Christ. But, it, <laughs> but it's a good name. That's what like that. Keep going. But, but Tanaka is yeah. really a good name. It's not, you know. Yeah. But it was supposed to be his uh. teenage sister. Um <laughs> Uh, so uh uh todd uh it would have been i forget exactly what ability it would have been tied to um but it would have been uh i'm todd the motherfucking tiefling um uh and uh he would have been able to i think use his rakish audacity to do a sneak attack um whether he was able to or not um moyle um would have been able to um i think boost out um some additional mirror images because that's the challenging thing with subclasses man like that works really well for three of the party because you guys wouldn't have had your subclasses up to that point fate and moyle as Mm -hmm. casters really technically pick their subclass um either at first level for clerics or second level for for wizards right yep Yes. So uh, Jazz would have been reinvigorated and would have had this rush of spell energy that would have recharged some spell slots and let him cast a boosted spell. And um, Moyle would have uh, spit out a bunch of extra mirror images as an extension of his um, some class features. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, what else? Uh, I think that's it, man. Well, cool, guys. I appreciate you making the time to kind of go through this. Like I said, I, I couldn't have been happier with the way that you guys kind of came together and the, and the way this this arc went down. Um, there were a lot of uh, a lot of happy surprises. I got a lot of NPC names wrong. I mispronounced some shit, uh, which you know that's the benefit of of growing up in Texas and Florida. I can mispronounce shit all the live long day. That's just the, that's just I, there's no way I can get around that. Um, but we've got um, for for our listeners that uh, we've got the bulk of the second arc uh, already recorded. When you guys finally finish the mission you're on for um, Ognum, 
the sage, not a huge spoiler to, to mention the name, then that will finish up the second arc uh, and we will kind of go from there. So, you know, we appreciate everybody who has jumped on board and um, and listened. We've got a Patreon in place. We haven't really done anything with it. We really haven't promoted it. Um, we will be uh, kind of pushing that forward a little bit uh, in January. That definitely will give you access to uh, our Discord server, which hopefully will encourage the guides to actually use it. I, uh, the DM <laughs> notes uh, and encounter notes for the individual encounters, um, as well as some other bonus content that we come up with. In the meantime, uh, if you're listening, please tell your friends word of mouth is the absolute best way that a new podcast uh, that you know isn't populated with industry uh, professionals can uh, uh, or, or role playing community uh, style wards can get uh, can get spread uh, and we absolutely appreciate all our listeners old and new and uh, if I do manage to somehow miraculously get this edited and released uh, in the next two weeks happy holidays happy new year the dumpster fucking fire of 2020 is finally over the uh, electoral college has fucking voted their votes and that whole shit show is finally over thank goodness huzzah mm-hmm. 2021 we have uh, i think a uh, kind of a a bright new turn in front of us and i think uh, everybody's excited about it and i am really super stoked that uh this show gets to be a part of that uh both for us and for everybody who has uh invited us into their ear holes so thank you and uh we'll see you around Quick question. Yeah. We get XP for doing this, right? <laughs> I get I get to hit level five now, right? Yeah. Yes, but you right yes, now. but you can't yeah. tell the other members. 